Hey everyone, glad to be together again. And if you're a guest, my name is Chad Allen. I'm lead pastor here at Cuyahoga Valley Church, and it's great to spend this time together. If you were to look back over the last month and try to use the concept of a picture is worth a thousand words, some of you might actually relate to this picture. Just kind of a couch potato, screen zombie, finding it uh, hard to get motivation to, to do anything, hard to get out of your sweats or your PJs, uh, just really in a, in a low place. Or maybe some of you could identify more with this picture. Man, you're stressed. You're working more hours than you've ever worked. And uh, you don't even know if the end is in sight. And so you might find yourself relating to one of those images more than the other or somewhere in between. I was on the phone with a friend the other day, and we were talking about the extremes of where we all are right now. Some are in the bored extreme, and some are in the busy extreme. Maybe you feel stuck, or maybe you feel stressed, or you're somewhere in the middle. We can all relate to being on one or both of those different extremes. Personally, I lived kind of in between. There are days where uh, it's been very hard for me to find the motivation to work, um, to be active, just fatigued. And there's other days where from the moment I got up to late at night when I went to bed, it was just nonstop action and I felt productive, I felt optimistic. Uh, we can all find ourselves in different places. But here's one common danger. I think that we need to monitor whether you're more on the board or a uh, stuck extreme or more, uh, even if you're on the stressed and busy extreme, here's one common danger, our faith. Where, where is our faith right now? Because we can find ourselves also on one of two extremes there as well. We might find ourselves feeling like we're struggling in our faith right now, or you might feel like you're really strong in your faith right now. And if you're struggling in your faith, you're having a hard time believing that God is real, that God cares, that God uh, is in control, that God's going to somehow work all of that we've been going through over the last four or five weeks for our good and for his glory. Or if you're on on the strong faith in, you know, you might actually be thriving in your faith. You're craving time in God's word. Uh, you're drawn to just deeper, intimate, more times of prayer. Uh, you have a drive and a desire to bless others, serve others, pray for others. I've heard from people on both sides, absolutely struggling and others saying, I may be stronger now in my faith than I've been in a long time. I think uh, that's a common uh, reality for all of us, and we have to monitor where we're at with our faith. And so if you're experiencing a struggling faith, I've got good news for you. If you're experiencing strong faith, I've got good encouragement for you. God can renew your faith in him. No matter where you're at, uh, on one side of the extreme or the other, somewhere in the middle, God can renew your strength in him. And what I want to do is I want to invite you to open up your Bibles with me today. We're going to be in the Old Testament book of 1 Kings chapter 19. So open up your Bibles or your Bible apps to 1 Kings chapter 19. And with this concept of God renewing our faith, especially for those who are struggling right now, I want to take us to a moment in history. We're going to go back to the ninth century, somewhere around 870 BC. And if you're a Jew living in ancient Israel, you are definitely living in uncertain times. Uh, you have two divided kingdoms. You've got Israel in the north. You've got Judah in the south. And you have a series of reigning kings in each kingdom that 
that are unfaithful to God for the most part. And there are famines and there are droughts and there are wars and there's a lot of insecurity. And so you're living in uncertain times. And that's actually the name of the series right now, uh, Uncertainty, because some of us are living in this uncertain uh, emotional interaction with the times that we have. But here's the thing. God can renew our faith in the midst of that uncertainty. We can actually have a certain faith in uncertain times. And so we're going to look at a story of a man who lived in uncertain times. And we're going to see that this was a man of great faith, but we're also going to see a moment where he was struggling in his faith and how God renewed him. And so God, uh, during this time, was raising up special uh, people, men of God, that were his representatives, that were his uh, spokespeople, and they would go and they would confront the people where they were drifting far from God. They would go and prophesy future events. They were speaking for God, representing God during these uncertain times. And one of these prophets was named Elijah. Elijah was the prophet who ministered during the reign of what's considered the most wicked king of the times. And that was King Ahab. And we see in 1 Kings chapter 16, uh, verse 30, that Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all were before him. See, Ahab was a wicked king. He ushered in a series, uh, an, an era of time where people were absolutely unfaithful to God. And Ahab, if it wasn't bad enough, found himself the perfect match to marry. Uh, someone who's considered the most wicked woman in all the Bible. And many of you know her name. It is Jezebel. So we have Ahab and Jezebel. And what they're doing is they're basically leading the kingdom into an absolute abandonment of God. They are tearing down uh, the altars to worship God. They are sacrificing the prophets of God. And instead, they're raising up um, temples and the worship of the Canaanite pagan deity called Baal. And Baal was considered by the Canaanite culture to be a god of fertility and agriculture. And so they were basically transforming Israel into a pagan nation. Well, how would you feel if you're God? You're, you've been faithful to your people. You've provided for them miraculously, and now they're abandoning you. This is spiritual adultery at an extreme level. And the Bible says that it provoked God to anger. And so now you have... Um, Elijah, who God is going to send in to confront Ahab and to be an, an opposing force to Jezebel. And that's this moment, this wonderful leadership environment that Elijah gets to operate in. And so God is provoked to anger, and we see God send in Elijah. And many of you know one of the great events that's about to happen in this time frame. It's a huge showdown. It's a spiritual showdown on Mount Carmel. And you have Elijah really the lone prophet of God, taking on 450 prophets of Baal. Now, Baal worship was, was pretty t twisted. Uh, it would involve child sacrifice. It would involve temple prostitution. Uh, there was a lot of horrific things that just um, were very displeasing and really detestable in the sight of God and those who loved God. And so you had these 450 prophets of Baal versus Elijah. And what had happened was God had sent Elijah in to confront 
confront Ahab. And part of that confrontation was the beginning of a three-year drought. So for three years, no rain. What would that do to a society that so depended on agriculture? What would that do to the spiritual climate when they were praying to this fake God for rain for three years, but it never fell? And so then you have Elijah come. He challenges them. It's been three years of drought and famine because of the drought. And now they basically say, let's shout to our God and see who shows up. And if you know the story in 1 Kings chapter 18, God answers Elijah. He answers Elijah by miraculously consuming a sacrifice that Elijah laid before uh, the altar. The prophets of Baal had no response, of course. And then right after that, God sends rain just to validate the worship of the one true God. And so this all takes place. Well, the outcome of that is that the 450 prophets of Baal are executed. Uh, Elijah has them executed. Well, Jezebel is not happy that her pet prophets have now been executed. And now she sends a message to Elijah. The message is, you're dead. I think this is where Liam Neeson might have got his line. Uh, I will look for you, I will find you, and I will kill you. This is exactly what uh, Jezebel is saying to Elijah. So here's this mighty man of God, great faith, just took on 450 prophets of Baal. What does he do? He runs. He leaves. He flees. And so at this moment, he was in Jezreel. Here's a map I want you to look at for a second. Up in northern Israel, you'll see there the town of Jezreel. Well, what he does is he travels 150 miles south to lower Israel. And now he's down in Beersheba. And he has a servant there that he leaves. He's like, hey, man, you're not safe with me. And this isn't a good idea. So he leaves a servant in Beersheba and then goes deep into the wilderness, south to southwest of Israel. And he travels for 40 days, 40 nights, it travels hundreds and hundreds of miles to Mount Horeb, otherwise known as Mount Sinai. Uh, if you are a Bible student, what other biblical leader spent a lot of time on Mount Sinai? Say it with me, Moses. So now we have Elijah. He basically has created as much distance as possible between him and Jezebel. He's running, he's afraid, and he's now at Mount Sinai. And that's where we're going to enter this moment. I want you to see this very intriguing, very powerful moment of our God uh, interfacing with a man who loves him, trusts him, but is at this moment having struggles in his faith. So join me in 1 Kings chapter 19, and we're going to start with verse 9 and read through. Here's what we find. It says, then he, and that's a reference to Elijah, came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, throw down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go out, stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountain and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. 
And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And he said, this is the God speaking to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down your altars. They've killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Hey, would you pray for me, with me for a minute before we dive in? Well, God, thank you for this passage. It's really interesting to see how you interacted with Elijah. Uh, we not only have a moment of history here to tell us how you interacted with him, but really we have some understanding of how you interact with us when we struggle in our faith. And Lord, even when we're strong on our faith, a glimpse of who you are and how you interact with us. So thank you for what we see here. God, would you help us draw understanding and application out of this moment? In Jesus' name, amen. So here we have Elijah, and he is being renewed in his faith. Here he is on this mountain, on Mount Sinai. He's discouraged. He feels like a failure. He's absolutely isolated. He's running in fear, and he's cowering hundreds of miles away on Mount Sinai, or otherwise known as Mount Horeb. And God is about to renew his faith. And God speaks to him and says, what are you doing here? You know, I think a lot of us find ourselves in a place we shouldn't be, where God would ask that very question of us. What are you doing here? I'll unpack unpack that a little bit more in a second. But what basically Elijah does is he unpacks his heart. He unpacks his pain. He unpacks his discouragement. And what's interesting is what he feels is real. But part of what he shares is actually not accurate. And so he feels abandoned. He feels alone. He feels isolated. He feels scared. But he says, I'm the only one left. But as we read here, and we'll see again in a minute, God's saying, that's not really accurate. So God now is going to enter into a process of really renewing the struggling faith of Elijah. How does he do that? Well, first, he confronts Elijah personally. God shows up on the mountain. Look at verse 9. It says, the word of the Lord came to him. You know, God has a lot in his arsenal. He could have sent an angel. He could have sent another people. He could have sent a group of people. He could have sent an animal. He could have sent so many different aspects of how to communicate or get Elijah's attention. But he came in person. He personally interacted with Elijah and he confronted him. He confronted him by saying, what are you doing here? He didn't send Elijah to Mount Horeb. Elijah went there on his own. Elijah was afraid to die, which is really interesting because he's basically saying, I'm afraid to die, so here I am to die. It's just an interesting confusion in this place that he's at. And God's confronting him personally. What are you doing here? I didn't send you here. You're running. Uh, you're, you're afraid. 
What are you doing here? This isn't the mission I've called you to. And so God is confronting Elijah, and he's calling him out. And God really still does the same for us. He confronts us personally. It says here that the word of the Lord came to Elijah. You know, every time we pick up God's word, we get guidance. We get comfort. We get instruction uh, from God's perfect word. But you know what else we find here? Confrontation. I believe one of the reasons a lot of us avoid the Bible is we're trying to avoid conviction. We're trying to avoid being confronted by God for the parts of our lives are not in alignment with his will. And just remember, when God says to do or not to do something, it's not because he's withholding something from you that's good. It's that he has something for you that's better. That's what he wants for you. And so we are personally confronted by God every time we open his word. You know, God loves us enough that when he came, right, God took on flesh and the the word, right, he says here that, that the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Well, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We see that in John 1. And so when Jesus came, there was a confrontation to humanity. It was both a confrontation of our sin as well as a covering for our sin. And so even though Jesus did those miracles and healed people, he also confronted those who were not in alignment with the truth of God's ways and the truth of God's word. And as beautiful as the cross was to be a covering for our sin, it was also God confronting our sin. So God still confronts us personally through his word, through his son, and through his spirit. All of us know, hopefully you're sensitive to, the nudges of God. When you're doing something you shouldn't do, God's going, this isn't what I have for you. And when you're starting to follow the Lord's leading according to his word, according to his spirit, you sense the Holy Spirit guiding you, leading you, as the Bible says. But God does this confronting personally. So part of this renewing of Elijah's faith was a personal confrontation. And part of the renewing of our faith, if you're struggling in your faith, God's going to confront you personally in his word, through what you know of Jesus, and also through his spirit. But also, that question is a very powerful and a little bit haunting question that God asked Elijah. What are you doing here? If God were to ask you right now, what are you doing here? What is the here he would be referencing to? What heart posture, what addiction, what habit, what relationship, um, what frame of mind, what attitude, uh, what addiction, what habit would God be referring to if he said, what are you doing here? Because every time we're discouraged, we feel defeated, we feel like a failure, we run to our own version of Mount Horeb and we hide there. Where are you hiding? What are you hiding behind? What are you involving yourself in that God's going, that's not what I have for you. I have something better. You know, if God were to say to you, what are you doing here? What is the here he would be referencing to? So God's going to personally confront us, we believe, when he renews our faith. Secondly, what we see here is that God comforts Elijah gently. Not only does he confront him personally, but he also um, comforts him gently. This is a powerful moment. Elijah's on the mountain. And next thing he knows, it says there's a wind tearing apart the mountain. Rocks are being broken open. But God's not making himself known in that massive wind. Then there was an earthquake, an earthquake that shook the mountain. 
And God didn't manifest himself in that earthquake. And then there was a fire. This mountain was engulfed in fire, and God wasn't in the fire. And then it said there was a gentle, it says low. The word there really in the Hebrew is that there's this gentle whisper. And it's that moment that God is speaking to Elijah. Elijah's back in a cave. At that moment in time, he wraps his face in his cloak, a sign of reverence and a sign of humility. And he comes out of the entrance of the cave we see in this passage to be before the presence of the Lord. And it's in that whisper. What does God ask him? The same exact question. Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah gives him the same answer. I'm alone. I'm defeated. Here's what the nation is doing. Um, I'm, I'm the only guy left. I'm running for my life. But God has taken this moment to gently engage Elijah. You know, we're reminded even of Jesus. We think about the ministry of Jesus. When you think about the ministry of Jesus, look at the gentleness of Jesus. Whether it was the woman caught in adultery, or whether it was the blind, the lame, the leprous, the people that were rejected and outcast from other people, Jesus was gentle with those that needed to be restored, that needed to have a faith that was struggling, returned to a faith that was strong. And so I think in the same way, we can take comfort that God is going to confront us personally through his word, through his spirit. He, he may send other believers to point us to his word and echo the spirit, but he's also going to gently comfort you. A lot of you right now are struggling in your faith because you're suffering mentally, emotionally, physically, job loss, underemployment, sickness, tragedy. Uh, there could be a myriad of reasons that you're struggling in your faith. Please know that God's not going to show up and try to spank you with a fire or a great wind or an earthquake. It's the whisper. He's going to try to draw you back into an intimate connection through the whisper. The other side of that is a lot of times when we're struggling in our faith, we want God to show up in the big wind. We want God to show up in the earthquake and in the fire. We want God to somehow dramatically uh, hit us in our life. You know, he may do that. It may, God might get your attention through a, a big tragedy or a big consequence or something. But a lot of times it's the whisper. So are you listening for the whisper of God as you read his word? That, that something inside of you, the Holy Spirit, resonates with what he's telling you in his word as he tries to gently comfort you with whatever is going on in your life. Following the guidance, following the instruction, and receiving the comfort of God in his word, through his spirit, and through the body of Christ. Uh, these are three tremendous ways that God will try to whisper to you as you're struggling in your faith. So he's personally, he personally confronted Elijah, God's definitely going to personally confront us. He is, um, he is comforting Elijah gently. And so there's, there's definitely times in our lives where we sense the gentleness of God as he comforts us. And thirdly, he commissions Elijah immediately. This is going to feel a little awkward and a little even abrasive for some of us. Think about Elijah right now. He's really in a broken place on this mountain. And God has all these events take place. And as Elijah says, I'm hurting, here's where I'm at. What does God say now at this point? He says, go. Look again at verses 15 to 18. The Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria and Jehu, the son of Nimshai, you shall anoint over the king of Israel and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, 
Abel Meloa, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. Immediately, as part of Elijah's renewal of his faith, God sends him out. He commissions him to go immediately. He doesn't say, hey, look, Elijah, when you're ready, when you feel like it, let's go ahead and have you dip your toe back into ministry, and then, then we'll get you going again. He said, no, you're over here hiding out on Mount Horeb. It's time to go. You're going to go back into this region to do these things. And what he has him do, he has him go to anoint the next two kings of the kingdoms. And so Jehu's going to replace King Ahab. And he's going to anoint this guy who's going to be the next king. He also says, you're not alone. In fact, I'm going to have you uh, pick your successor. You're going to find this guy named Elisha. And you're going to bring him on. And you're going to anoint him. And he's going to follow you. You're not going to be alone, and he's going to be your successor. And so he gets him out immediately back into action. And then if you continue on, he says in verse 17, And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall Jehu put to death, and the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. What he's saying is, yes, Elijah, you're correct. There's injustice out there. There's spiritual adultery, but I'm going to do something that you're not even going to see. Justice will be carried out. And so be comforted, be um, aware. I'm going to deal with things whether you see it or not. And then he says something very powerful in verse 18. I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. He's basically saying, no, you are not the only one. I have reserved, some translations say reserved, I've reserved 7,000 faithful people that will not worship Baal, that will not give into adultery spiritually, but they're going to be faithful to me. And so Elijah goes. And the reason we know his faith was renewed is because as you continue reading through the book of 1 Kings, you see Elisha do exactly out of obedience, out of trusting God, and with a renewed faith, all the things that God was telling him to do. I think that's very, very powerful. And God gave Elisha something to do to get out of his funk. Elisha was just looking at all the circumstances and consequences around him. He was marinating in his misery, if you will. And God took his eyes off of that and toward what he was doing. See, God's always working, even when we don't see it. God has a plan, even if we don't see it carried out. And so I find great encouragement with this, that a lot of you are struggling with your faith. I would say God's waiting for you to do exactly what he told Elijah. Just go out there and start to be active. Don't wait until you feel like you're ready to pray for someone. Don't feel like you have to be ready to bless someone, serve someone, to, to open up your Bible. And a lot of times it's opening your Bible and praying and serving that activates the feelings of your strength being renewed. Instead of just waiting for him to come online and then you go, a lot of times you go and then those things come online. What a, what a great reminder that we see here through the life of Elijah. And just in the same way that Elijah wasn't going to see the outcome of a lot of what he was doing, just remember, you may never see the outcome of your faithfulness. You may never see the answers to your prayers. Those people you're praying for that you hope come to the Lord, you may never see them come to faith, but that doesn't mean they might not come to faith. It might be after your lifetime. Just because you don't see God working in their life doesn't mean God's not working in their life. You might not see the fruit of uh, your 
acts of service, the way you've blessed your neighbors. But you know what? That doesn't mean that God's not using it. It doesn't mean that God's not going to activate some great seed of faith that will grow outside of your awareness. He's just calling you to be faithful and to operate in a strong faith, a renewed faith, as you live for him. So God has commissioned us as his followers to go. Jesus said to go and make disciples. Well, we do that by proclaiming the good news of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. We do that by praying for people and praying with people. We do that by instructing people in God's word. And so we're to go, to be commissioned, to be faithful to the Lord. So as you look over what God did in the life of Elisha, I just encourage you to take some personal mental notes now. How is God actually confronting you personally when you get into his word? Don't dodge it. Don't run from it. God has a plan for you. How is God comforting you gently? Just in the way that he does, bringing you in and cultivating a trust in him as your faith is in a weak place possibly. And then how are you obediently responding to his commissioning to go immediately and just being faithful? So the good news, God can renew your strength and faith in him. And he's very likely that he's going to do it by confronting you personally, comforting you gently, and commissioning you immediately. I think one of the things I appreciate about this passage is that Elijah is this big pillar of the faith, but he was in a weak place. But then we see him rebound back. Even the strongest believers are going to have weak days, weak moments. I think that's encouraging to go, okay, if we're there, we're not a bad Christian. Uh, God hasn't rejected us, but he is going to call us back into action, back into a strong place of faith, just like he did Elijah. So I want to leave you with two questions today and a challenge. Here's question number one. What did God impress on your heart today as we spent this time together? Like I talked through this, I talked through this, but I believe that God has impressed something on your heart based on what we've talked about today. What is it? that God has impressed on your heart from our time today. The second question is very simple, but it's hard. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? It's one thing to go like, oh, I should read the Bible more. Oh, I should, you know, really um, get out and engage my neighbors more. Oh, I really should serve more. What are you going to do with what God's impressed on your heart today? As we conclude the service in a little bit, uh, after we sing, I encourage you to take those questions and talk about them with the people you're with right now. And if you're not with somebody, call someone that you maybe know is watching or engage the conversation. Also, I want to talk about this challenge that I'm going to give you. Uh, we are going to start a new challenge in May. We have something called the May Challenge. And you can find it online and you can find it on our social media on the links that you see here in the lower part of the screen. But the main challenge is a 31-day challenge, and it engages our three primary environments for spiritual growth. So one part of the main challenge is going to be in the worship environment. That's basically this. We have a Bible reading plan. Go every day. Go 31 days in the Bible reading plan. The Bible reading plan is going to take us into 2 Timothy and the book of Isaiah, another prophet, uh, during the month of May. So enjoy it. Embrace it. So go every day getting time in God's Word through the Bible reading plan. Also, memorize Scripture. Each week we have a verse or a couple verses that we've selected. Memorize those passages and recite them every day. Pray through them. That's going to be part of the worship environment. Also, make sure that every week you're worshiping with us here. Invite your friends, invite your family, and let's spend some time together virtually, um, worshiping together, and also pray. 
there's one specific invitation to prayer. Uh, May 7th, we're going to have the National Day of Prayer. And you can get to the link below, which will send you the way that you can participate in the National Day of Prayer. So the worship. Also groups. Bottom line, be in a life group. All of us should be right now engaged in community. So if you're not in a life group, you can text CONNECT at 440-276-5575 to connect into a life group. For those of you in life groups, keep them going. Uh, they're they're, they're uh, thriving right now, hearing great feedback from the life groups. Also serve, getting to be the hands of Christ. We have some key ministries that you'll find on the 31 day challenge um, paper and link that are specific ministries that you can be involved in. But we also have some unique ways that you can be a blessing to others during this time by making masks, by engaging some um, needs of people with specific uh, needs that they have. And so you can be part of that and also be a life house, engage your neighbors. So taking notes of offers to help praying for your neighbors and just engaging your neighbors. This is all part of the May challenge that we're putting before today. This is part of really being commissioned immediately. So take on the May challenge and help grow, uh, sustain if you're in a great place or grow a weakened faith or jumpstart a struggling faith. Well, thanks for being with us uh, during this time. We're going to be worshiping here in a minute and we're going to just take what we've talked about and proclaim it through song. But before we do, would you just pray with me? And before we pray, I just want to remind you that if, if one of the outcomes, one of the action steps that you have is that you need to be in relationship with Christ. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. Uh, you want to explore that or you're ready to take that step. Let's talk. Please text Jesus to that same number, 440-276-5575. And let's talk about what a relationship with Christ, this God we love, looks like. Let's pray together, and then we're going to worship. Well, Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this example of Elijah, one of many examples in your word. And God, I pray that you take the words that uh, I use today and that you would help us all as we look to your word, be encouraged. Lord, I pray for those who have a strong faith right now, that they would keep going strong. Lord, that say they'd feel encouraged and affirmed and continue to live that strong faith. For those in a struggling place, Lord, would you take today and jumpstart, or just like you did with Elijah on the mountain, Lord, just to, just to jumpstart that faith through your personal um, word to us, through um, the move of your Holy Spirit in our lives and our hearts, and also, Lord, through the encouragement of other believers. May you jumpstart that faith to be a strong faith, not a struggling faith. May we all grow in that faith today, Lord. And so, God, take us, use us for your glory, use us for your will, just like you did Elijah. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. 